Chapter Twelve of Pixie O'Shaughnessy by Mrs. George de Horn Vesey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Discovery. The next afternoon, all was bustle and confusion in Holly House. Servants setting the tables in the dining room and clearing the large classroom in preparation for the party and governesses and pupils dressing themselves with as much care as though they expected to meet a hundred strangers instead of the everyday school set without a single addition dresses which had not seen the light since the half-term holiday were brought forth once more with such additions in the shape of sashes flowers and gloves as befitted the greater importance of the occasion and in her own bedroom pixie o'shaughnessy was whisking to and fro attending to the wants of three exacting mistresses who all seemed to require her at one and the same moment hi pixie come here this place is getting knee-deep in clothes just put them away now then pixie i'm waiting for this hairdressing you make it look like an artificial plate or there'll be trouble in this camp oh bother the more hurry the less speed now i've broken this tape has anyone got a bodkin no of course not there never is a bodkin when i want one you'll have to manage with a hairpin pixie and be sharp about it i shall be late for tea at this rate so on and so on and at each summons in rushed an eager little worker so deft so willing so incredibly quick in her movements that her mistresses were overcome with admiration your hands do you more credit than your brains young woman pronounced kate judicially you will never be a mistress of a high school but you are a born lady's maid and you can come to me for a reference when you need it that's what esmeralda says i'm going to be her maid when she marries the duke he comes down to hunt near bolly william but he really lives in england in the most beautiful palace with peacocks on the lawn esmeralda's going to have the drawing-room papered in yellow to suit her complexion and to set the fashion of having little sisters to wait upon you like pages in old story-books returned pixie with her mouth full of hairpins and there was a rustle of excitement in the different cubicles esmeralda engaged you never told us to a duke which duke how lovely for her when are they going to get married now indeed i can't tell you returned pixie regretfully she was proudly conscious of having made a sensation and it did seem hard to be obliged to dispel it as soon as it was made there's nothing settled for to tell you the truth he has never so much as seen her yet but she was visiting old biddy gallagher when he drove past to the meet and at lunch says she he's the elegant creature that duke i'm thinking of marrying him myself and took bridgie's advice on the trousseau that very afternoon she says she won't be engaged until she's twenty-one and that it's a pity to unsettle him about it yet a while as there's over two years to wait he wouldn't want to wait if he saw her for she's more beautiful than any one you ever saw out of a picture though it's himself i pity when the tantrums is on her we often talk about it and plan how we will spend his money and if you want to put her in a good temper you've nothing to do but call her your grace i never heard of anything so silly cried ethel scornfully k 
kate gave a mild <laughs> as she watched the process of hairdressing in the mirror and reflected pensively that spectacles seemed strangely out of keeping with evening dress there was no doubt about it she was astonishingly plain and oh how nice it must be to be beautiful like esmeralda so beautiful that even your own brothers and sisters admired you it was a natural longing for every girl wishes to be attractive to others and feels a pang if obliged to realize that the tribute of admiration can never be hers but kate was too sensible to grieve long over impossibilities i shall have to be extra amiable to make up for it that's all she told herself philosophically as she lifted the hand-glass and wriggled about before the glass to view the effect of the new coiffure it was the most elaborate and hairdresser windowish in effect and if it were not exactly becoming that was perhaps more her own misfortune than the fault of the operator who had bestowed such pains upon the erection so she declared truthfully enough that she had never felt so fine in her life and threatened to sit at the piano the whole of the evening so that all beholders might have an opportunity of admiring her back hair her toilette was now finished but ethel's bows were waiting to be tied and smoothed out and flora had to be laced into her dress and to be consoled when again visited with the dread of finishing her career as the fat woman in a show finally the first bell for tea was heard pealing downstairs and away ran the three girls leaving poor cinderella to tidy the cubicles and almost forgetting to thank her for her services for in truth they had been so cheerfully rendered as to appear a favour given rather than received left to herself pixie stole into the corridor and flattened herself into a doorway to watch the gay figures descending the staircase the tidying away could wait for a few moments but it was not often that one had the opportunity of watching so festive a scene doors opened on every side and out they came one girl after another so smart and fine that one could hardly recognize them for the blue surged damsels of ordinary school life down the stairs they tripped with rustlings of silk and crinklings of muslin dainty white shoes looking daintier than ever against the well-worn carpet such a crowd of girls and each one looking brighter and happier than the one before lottie in white margaret in blue with her brown hair coiled round her head in a shining chestnut coronet one after another until at last there was no one left and silence reigned in the corridor broken only by a little sniff and sigh from the shadow of a doorway and one little pig stayed at home sighed pixie trying hard to laugh and assiduously licking the tears from her cheeks as she hung school skirts in the cupboards and folded everyday garments on bedroom chairs in readiness for use on the following day now they are all sitting down and beginning to eat there'll be nothing but jam and cakes and elegant bread and butter so thin you might eat a plate full and starve upon it i wonder what they'll be sending me upstairs i couldn't look at a bit of plain food but plum cake would be medicine to me my digestion was always delicate bridgie said so 
the child needs tempting i've heard her say over and over again when the milk pudding came in at the door and my appetite went out i must go to the schoolroom now i suppose for miss phipps said i must be in my bed by seven ellen has the soft heart i wouldn't wonder if she brought me something nice to cheer me spirits buoyed up by this hope she ran off to the classroom and there was ellen herself at the door looking at her with such kind sorry-looking eyes as if there was nothing she would like better than to carry her bodily downstairs your tea is ready miss pixie miss emily's orders were that i was not to bring you any cake but i have brought something else that you will like better what could that be pixie rushed to the table and oh joy of joys there lay a big fat letter with the bolly william postmark in the corner and bridgie's dear well-known writing straggling over its surface no one in the world wrote such sweet letters as bridgie and how dear of her to time this one to arrive at the moment of all others when it was most desired pixie gloated over it with sparkling eyes kissed it hugged it poked at it with her fingers to discover exactly how many sheets it might contain and finally devoured it and the bread and butter together in one long beam of delight littlest and dearest do you want to see us all and know what we are doing it is eight o'clock and we have had three dinners in succession each lordly male waiting until the other had finished his meal before he could resign himself to come indoors and at the third coming molly sent for me to the kitchen to give warning for this day month which same i took smiling for it's never a bribe she would take to leave knock castle while an o'shaughnessy was within its walls it's pat that's sitting at the table now eating apples and cracking nuts as languid as if the day was his own and esmeralda frowning thunder at him because she wants the table to draw a sketch for the newest picture which is to make all our fortunes yet the major is reading the newspaper and groaning aloud at every comma because the government has no sense at all and the only man who could put things straight is tied by the heel by half a dozen children the dogs are sitting in a circle round pat watching every bite with such big longing eyes and myself writing on my knee by the fire with the ink on the fender looking threatening at the rug says esmeralda five days more and we shall see her again meaning yourself to whom i write will she be grown i'm wondering she's too small altogether and yet we don't want our pixie changed and the mimic she is wait till we hear the fine english talk and have her correcting us all on account of our brogue then pat must be up and say there was no room for him and an english accent in the castle at the same time and the major rebuked him and asked was it for pleasure he paid as much for schooling as could be spent sensibly on as fine a hunter as a man could wish and besought us all to put ourselves at your feet and learn what you could teach us then esmeralda sighed and clasped her hands and says she it's tired to death i am of my own family and longing to meet somebody who has seen more of the world than bally william couldn't we tell the pixie to bring home one of her friends with her to divert us during the christmas holidays and at that we all called out together 
for we have been dull without you little one and looking forward to a frolic on christmas last year we were all too sad thinking of the dear mother but this year she will want to see us happy i am sure she sees us and often and often when i sit alone sewing as she used to do i think about her and feel she is near still and it's only because my eyes are dim that i can't see her well then dearie think over your friends and decide which it shall be there's room at castle knock for any one who has been kind to its baby and it won't be our fault if she hasn't a happy memory of old ireland the letter went on for another sheet but pixie's mind was so full of this new idea that she was hardly able to take in the words on which her eye rested to take home a friend to bolly william to give an invitation on her own account and be able to show the glories of the dear old castle this was indeed a dazzling prospect and the problem of deciding which friend it should be kept her occupied even when tea was over and she was undergoing the humiliation of putting herself to bed in the chilly little cubicle should it be margaret no for margaret with all her sweetness had little sense of humour and though pixie could not reason out the matter for herself she yet realised instinctively that she would be uncomfortable and out of place in the haphazard atmosphere of the irish household should it be kate no that would not do either for at first sight kate was not prepossessing and the major and the boys would certainly take a dislike to her straight away should it be flora dear fat good-tempered flora but what fun esmeralda would make of her to be sure and how helpless she would be when attacked by the boys badinage pixie grew quite tired and sleepy puzzling out the question her eyelids drooped down and down until the lashes rested upon her cheeks and her thoughts passed unconsciously into dreams meantime in the large classroom downstairs the other thirty pupils were enjoying themselves with a zest all the greater for the dullness of the weeks which had gone before the floor had been sponged with milk until it was quite smooth and slippery a table supplied with such refreshments as lemonade ginger beer and sweet biscuits was placed outside the door and the violin pupils took it in turns to accompany the piano so that nothing was lacking to enhance the grandeur of the occasion pretty little programmes were distributed around the room blue for the ladies pink for the gentlemen and after each dance the couples marched round and round the room conversing together as if they were at a real party and tabooing the affairs of ordinary school life then the gentlemen deposited their partners on chairs and inquired may i bring you a little refreshment until the last drop of lemonade was drained and only crumbs remained in the cake baskets they were all flushed and panting with the vigour with which they had joined in the dance and at last miss phipps thought it wise to call a halt now ladies and gentlemen you must really sit down for ten minutes she cried laughingly if you get so overheated you will be catching chills next and i am sure you don't want to be invalided just before the holidays come and take your places round the room and we will ask lottie to dance her pretty scarf dance for us 
as she looks the only cool member of the party there's your scarf dear in that drawer and miss bruce will play for you you dance so nicely that it is a pleasure to see it lottie blushed with pleasure at such words of praise and took her place in the centre of the room with smiling alacrity and the watchers whispered admiringly to each other as they looked at the dainty satin-clad figure lottie was not really pretty but she was always so charmingly dressed that she gave the effect of beauty and to-night in her gala frock she certainly looked her best she danced gracefully and modestly waving her chiffon scarf in the air and moving it to and fro in a manner which looked easy enough but which was in reality extremely difficult and required no little effort of strength so that by the time the dance was finished she was as flushed as her friends and her breath came in quick short pants poof how hot she felt and how tired it was a relief to give the scarf into mademoiselle's outstretched hands and be free to feel for a handkerchief with which to wipe the moisture from her brow there was a little difficulty in finding her pocket and the girls watched her fumbles with amused attention it was a little pause in the evening's entertainment and for want of something better to do all eyes were fixed upon the figure which stood so prominently in the middle of the room try again they cried encouragingly and lottie made yet another dive downwards this time she was successful for her hand disappeared into her pocket and presently jerked upwards bringing with it a small lace handkerchief rolled up into a ball as if it had lain forgotten since the last time that the dress was worn she flicked it in the air and at that moment something flew out and clattered on the floor near her feet mademoiselle stooped to pick it up and threw up her hands with a cry of dismay it was a piece of glass about half an inch in size and in one corner was clearly discernible the end of an engraved letter the letter t End of chapter 12